0: I ended up applying to lots of different places. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do my own thing one day. That's what I said. I allowed myself to think I'll do it one day. So I was applying to a couple of places and I had seen this one role for a chief learning officer and it was a global company and working with folks in the C-suite around the world. And while I had some of the experience, again, here it comes, I disqualified myself and I didn't apply. And then I had lunch with another friend and she actually told me about this job. She's like, oh, hey, I'm working with this organization. You need to apply to this one job. And it happened to be that same job. I was like, I'm not qualified for that one.
1: Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Janaea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, Be The Wolf. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Be The Wolf. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm always excited to be here. You guys should know this because I say it every time. But I am very excited to talk to Laura Eigel. She is an organizational psychologist, among other things, a badass woman, a beautiful human being, all kinds of things. But we're gonna talk today about this idea of am I good enough to do this? And I know a lot of you have been out there feeling that you have this idea of something you want to do. Maybe you want to start a business or you want to go for that job that you really have been dreaming about. Or maybe it's just a vacation where you're traveling to another country, which gets a little uncomfortable sometimes, but you have those thoughts in your head saying, "Huh, oh, am I good enough to do this? If I go after it and I get it, will I be able to do it? So we're going to talk about Laura's story around that. We're going to share all juicy tidbits, so make sure you stay till the end because we're always going to give you little pieces of advice and nuggets for you to take with you. And let me give Laura the floor right now and let her tell us what exactly is an organizational psychologist and what it is that she's doing these days.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share the space with you today. So yeah, I'm Laura Eichel. I am the founder of The Catch Group. I am a leadership consultant and a coach, and I help leaders and organizations build values-based culture and make values-aligned decisions. So I do that through one-on-one coaching. I do that through group coaching. And then I work with senior leaders within organizations to build team cultures, So by training, I am an organizational psychologist. So I have my PhD in applied psychology, and I'm the author of Values First, How to Get the Life and Career You Want, and then also the host of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. And so as an organizational psychologist, I help people build their careers. I help organizations build cultures that keep people motivated. And I do that in lots of different ways, but some of my favorite ways are working with individuals to have really fulfilling careers. I love it. And one of the things that is such a
1: key to happiness. Everybody is like, oh, I just want to have this long lasting love and and be in love. And that is the key to my happiness. But the reality is, is we all have to have a purpose, something, some job, something we're working towards. It could be if you're a stay at home mom, it could be that it could be your career, it could be your business. But we need that purpose to be happy. It is fundamental. So even if you have the most amazing partner in the world, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week in the workplace doing something that you
0: don't like is gonna take its toll. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. We spend so much of our lives at work. Whatever that work looks like for you can look like a lot of different things now. But to your point, if that's not aligned, then I, I think you're missing I'm missing a piece. So we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about that a little bit today. Yeah. But I do what I do because it aligns with my values. And I know that I'm living my values or my purpose of when I'm, you know, connected to growth and development and advocacy. I'm on a mission to get more authenticity and diversity in the work. Place and and I do that through conversations like this so that people can understand how do I even, where do I do it? How do I start? Um, you probably know when you don't have it, right? <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. People are always saying, well, I don't want this and I definitely don't want a boss that acts like this and I don't want clients that act like this. So now I, I do have a question for you. I mean, I know what values are because I do a lot of work with values yeah. in my own practice with entrepreneurs and people to move forward in their life. But for those who don't know, what, what is a value? Because a lot of times like I don't sit and have a conversation with a brand new client and say, okay, we're going to work on values because they don't know what it is often, exactly. not all of the time, but a lot of the time they don't. So for those who don't really understand what a value is, can you enlighten us?
0: Yeah, just simply put, it's something that matters to you. So, you know, by definition, it's, it's something that is of central importance to you. So that sometimes feels like a very big and daunting question, though. And I find that, you know, generally people know a few of their values. Maybe they don't have a ton of words around it, but they might say things like honesty or integrity or, you know, those kinds of things. And and you, yeah, those could be important. But what is of central importance to you? And so what I find is that there's some key pivotal moments in your life where you like you are, you have like the energy that you want, you feel like in flow, those are hints to that you those are the things that matter to you. Also, the opposite, (laughs) when (laughs) you are not in alignment, those days that are not fulfilling, where you, you know, something feels wrong in your gut, that you might be angry or frustrated, that you're just not happy those days that you like, feel like, what am I even doing with my life? This is like, did I pick the wrong thing? Some of those, we know that in moments of discomfort, that might be your biggest sign of what your values are because those times, those values are not getting met. So Mm -hmm. often in times of discomfort is where you actually find the most clarity. And so as you kind of dig into these pivotal moments or just kind of everyday moments, those are where you find some of those, you know, the, these words that can express what is of central importance to you. And I think you should only have like five to seven values. There's a ton of assessments out there where it can tell you, you know, do this, do that. What I really would say is answer a couple of questions. When did you find yourself like in flow, in energy, like just a time and just write about that, journal about that. And then also do the same thing about a moment of discomfort. And then you'll see some things emerge. And that is what I want you to kind of name and gain clarity around. And then just pick kind of five to seven of those because anything more than that, I think is, is too much, too much to focus on, too much to prioritize. But then that gives you an increase of self-awareness of really just trying to start to pay attention to those moments. And then you can go from there. Yeah.
1: And, and for those listening, the reason, I can tell you, I'll we'll get I'll get a little heady scientific here for a minute. The reason why 5 to 7, 7 is like the max because the brain can literally only focus on 5 plus or minus two things. So the reason why telephone numbers are seven numbers, it's because it's the maximum amount of numbers that the human brain can easily remember. So I like the number five personally, and the top three usually get met, and yeah. four and five get kind of met, and six yeah. and seven tend to get a little spotty. So, yeah, yeah,
0: I agree. I have, I have six myself, and I find, so my values are family, growth, development, advocacy, achievement, And balance. And so for me, what I find is that, like, you're right, if some of the core ones absolutely need to get met. And then if there's certain ones that don't, then it's kind of like all bets are off. So for me, the core one is, is balance. And that's not work life balance. I really don't believe in work life balance. I believe in being centered, and Mm -hmm. prioritizing what is most important. And so for me, as an introvert, That means alone time. That means taking walks outside, moving my body, setting my pace for the day, those kinds of things. And so in times of my life and my career, when I have been my best, when I feel good enough is some of those times when I'm, I'm meeting those core values. And then the opposite is true as well. When I'm too busy, when I'm not paying attention to that, the opposite happens too, right? And so to your point, yeah, we cannot, we cannot prioritize that many things. So let's, let's get down to like what really truly matters at this moment and season in your life. Right.
1: And I want those of you who are listening, Laura has a values worksheet on her work, her website that you can grab. And I think if you just go to the website, you can, Download yeah, it, grab it, right? Yeah, and, it's just at the bottom. Yeah. Okay. And there will be there you can do that at the catchgroup.com. And of course there'll be a link that you can just go directly to it so you don't have to find it on the website. But if you're listening right now and you're like, hmm, wait, what are my values? I want to know what my values are. <laughs> <laughs> go to catchgroup.com right now. Type it in, open up the browser, scroll down to the bottom, get, grab that because it really is central. It gives you a framework for so many things. And one of the things that I like about as I hear you describe it, it's you said there are central important things that are important to you. But what I'm hearing in the way that you
0: describe it is that they are
1: literally your needs they are, are yeah. my needs.
0: Yeah. 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 They are, they are absolutely my needs. And I think it, it ties back to the question that we have it's my needs, but it's also grounding me in who I am. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it's not everything about me. It's not all of my strengths and amazingness. It's not that, but it, it does center me. Right. gets me back to who I am, and absolutely prioritizes my needs. Yeah, in yeah. a, in a world where, you know, I was taught, and I incentivized making other people comfortable. I'm a perfectionist, I'm a huge people pleaser, I'm kind of the middle child, I'm one of 4 I'm number three. So I kind of, you know, I got lost in there sometimes. Like it, I was doing lots of things for lots of people my whole life. And so this framework really helps me get back to myself and to your point, my own needs. Yeah. Yeah. It's my values.
1: I can't remember if that I do. Do I have five or do I have six? I have number one is joy. Number two is be the wolf. And so if you all have been listening long enough, you understand that concept. Three is connection. I've got abundance and curiosity. I think that's it. I think I am down to the five mark. I recently, though, was thinking about something. I'm like, wait, is that, is that something? Is that another one? But most of my life, safety was number one because of the way I grew up. And subconsciously, that's everybody's
0: top value. <laughs> yeah, we go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And this right. idea of that has to get met first. In terms of, are, do you have food, shelter? Are you do you feel safe before some of these other needs can get met? Right. But it's it's really interesting in this you know in this climate of like we're just working very hard, doing so many things. Sometimes I think those those needs of safety, food, and shelter, I'm seeing people those are actually not met. Sometimes really? okay. they're so busy. Um, they can't even think about their value of creativity or connection because they haven't eaten lunch and it's three o'clock. Right. (laughs) So, so when it comes down to it, it's, it's what's important to you. And I guess I'd love to ask you this, like how have you mentioned safety and that's changed over time. Have you found that your other five values have remained stable over time or have they changed a little bit? Mine have
1: changed over time. If I look back five, six, seven years ago, you know, kindness was a big one. And and that kindness was really, well, it all boiled down to safety, right? Because it was making sure that people liked me, making sure that people did not lash out at me, whatever it was. So if I was kind, then one, I would not feel bad about myself. So that's protection in one way. And also then people would like me and therefore I wouldn't be abandoned, which yeah. boils down to safety. So a lot of my, and honesty used to be a big one, um, but that was, you know, at the core, that was because I didn't fully trust myself right. because I had been taken advantage of so many times. And so, you know, if somebody was dishonest, then I had this it, it really upset me and what was really upsetting was that i couldn't see through the bullshit like now i can see this in hindsight but at the time it was just like these fucking liars i can't believe i just really did i date another goddamn liar and my boss and blah 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 blah, blah. So if we take down all the so-called traumas and the the things that are kind of survival instinct kind of stuff if we really pull all that stuff back I think the values would be mostly the same you know yeah I think creativity would have been up there but for me that falls in joy okay. so joy, achievement, like I'm very driven. I'm like Mm -hmm. all that, that is like in creativity. That's like, that's all joy for me. And I think that's another thing too, about values is if I say love is one of my values, what means love for me might be different than somebody else.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's really interesting that I find too. So, so for me, my values have stayed stable over time, but the meaning of them and um, has probably evolved. And so, but to your point, like one person's achievement might be very, might be the same word. Like we both have achievement as a value, but it might look very different in, in what success looks like or what attaining that is or getting that value met. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: some of it may be absolutely similar. Um, but, but absolutely those could look differently too. And I think all of these things, it, it tells you what you need, but it also is a way to communicate what you need to other people. And that's why I love doing this work with leaders, because you're not just teaching them to figure out how to get their needs met, but like in what systems. So you're parts of lots of systems at work, especially you have you're part of an, an, a system that's an organization you're right. a part of a system like a team like the manager that you work for and that one-on-one relationship and then the team that you have if you're a leader a people leader. And so so there's lots of different ways that we can connect with with folks on our values and 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 the thing that I love to to understand after you know what they are just try and try it out are these really the ones because I will tell you <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes we are still even assign or we're labeling the values that people think that we should have. Mm, Especially that kindness the word- value. Yeah. Your kindness value. That's a perfect example. Another one I see often is that women think, Oh, I need to have one with family because if I don't, then I'll look like a psychopath. <laughs> right? Right. But I'm not like almost all of their values are meeting the needs of others. So after you do that initial review, I want you to iterate on it. These are not set in stone, they will evolve over time, they should. And and look like which ones are truly meeting your needs. Like if they're if you're not in there, then then we need to keep iterating on these. And I find that sometimes different ones are prioritized or just completely are taken off the list.
1: Yeah. Well, and one of the pieces too, is just looking at why, why is that value important to you? So for me, the kindness thing really boiled down to safety. Yeah. And the honesty boiled down to safety, all of that. So why is it, am I trying to prevent or protect myself from something? And if I'm trying to prevent and protect myself from something that's not, It's probably not a true, true value. It's a survival mechanism. And and of course, obviously, you know, security, stability, all of those things are important, but understanding when it's that thing that's going to bring you absolute joy or just keep a roof over your head, that's a very different feeling. I think really leaning into this place of am I good enough to do this? when we think about that and we step in and we're going to take a leap to do something and, and we have those questions, that is some of those safety values. Like if I do this and fail, what will happen to me? So I'd love to give everybody a chance to figure out how they can get in touch with you. Before we dive into your story, because you have a great story about this idea of am I good enough to do this? And we'll, of course, dive into more tips as well. So yes, tell us how we can get in touch with you, how people can work with you, tell us the things that they need to know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned one thing, um, just in terms of understanding your values. That's a lot of the work that I do. So I work with leaders that are in usually in their mid career and they just kind of don't don't really feel like everything's as good as it could be right so there is something better out there for me and we and sometimes they know that that they're not in the right place and sometimes they're just not sure what to do so a couple of ways to kind of understand and to realize like what's going on there's a couple of um Points that I love for people to, to connect. One is um, I have a, a really fun quiz called, should I stay or should I go? Um, and that's really um, trying to pinpoint, you know, are those values being met in your current role or job? And so that's one thing that I would point you towards is the catchgroup.com quiz. And that is a really quick quiz to teach you or to just get another set of eyes, <laughs> answer some questions about, is this a good time? And what do I need to do? And that um, there's an action plan that's tagged to those. So if you like to take action, that's a really good one. And just other ways that I, I work with leaders, one-on-one coaching. I have a group coaching cohort starting soon. And then another really great way to connect with me is to listen to the podcast, You Belong in the C-Suite. And then you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. Those are the two places that I hang out the most
1: awesome, awesome. Okay, so now tell me about this. Am I good enough to do this obstacle?
0: Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'll start with early career, right? And so I think, um, so I'm a, one of my values is achievement. So I, and I love learning. So I went to school for a long time. So i have <laughs> I mentioned before I had my PhD and then after I was finished with school, I needed to get a job to pay for all the, all the student loans back. Right. So, <laughs> right. so I'm, so um, I'm out in the job market and um, you know, this was in my mid twenties, which was a while ago. And so back then I had it, I went to a job fair where I would literally phys- I could apply to some jobs online before it. And there was one job that caught my eye. And I read it just like lots of women do. And they read the job description. And I did not apply for it. Um, Mm. I didn't even put my name in the hat for it because I didn't meet the job description. I even though I had a PhD, I was Dr. Laura at this point. (laughs) I did not feel good enough because I didn't have all the things on the job description, which now I know so much more about that. Like these are job descriptions are poorly worded. They're not, they're not indicative of it, but what women do generally, we there's some studies that show this, we look, and if we don't meet all of the criteria, like almost hundred percent, we do, we disqualify ourselves and we don't even submit our applications. Yeah. On the other hand, other folks, mostly men, when they're looking at these, they're like, Oh, I meet most of them, 60% of it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to apply because I can figure it out. Right but generally that's just not what I did. I was like, well, I'm I'm not I'm not what they're looking for. I don't have all of these things. So I didn't apply to it. But this was this job was where I wanted to be. It brought me closer to home. And so I got another opportunity to apply for it in person. And this was the the the, the moment I literally had like my resume in my hand and you had to like put it like your physical resume in a box. And I was like like just looking around, like trying to convince myself that I should apply to this job. And so in a moment of strength, I decided, you know, I can learn stuff. I, I like to learn. I know how to do this. And so I will tell you, I put that thing in there and I ran away. So uh-huh. I, because I did not want to, I didn't want to change my mind. Because I, again, even in that moment of like clarity of I can probably do this, I still didn't almost trust myself. I still didn't feel good enough. But what the, the good news on this story is that guess which job I ended up getting? You got the job. I got that job. That's my that was my first job. And I almost didn't get it because I almost didn't apply. So now I, my mantra there is put your resume in the freaking box. Put it in the box, do it, do the thing. And that moment of clarity, or I wouldn't even say confidence, because it wasn't a ton of confidence. I, I, it was remembering what I, what need I needed met. It, It was that, like that tuning into that learning that I love that I can figure it out. And that is my values of growth and development. That's what I was tapping into there. But unfortunately, that is not the only time I did not feel good enough. I will tell you, this has been a recurring theme in my life.
1: (laughs) I think it's it's so common for so many people. And you're dead on when you say most women will will disqualify themselves before they even try. And I, of course, I do a lot of work with the subconscious mind, so I'm always thinking about well, what is the difference between a woman and a man? And of course, we've had you know different roles we've played through the generations, and I think men had to take the leap because it was like the whole like this is historically that that the whole family depended on them. They had to get the job or else not only were they not going to eat. But their wife and their kids and whomever else they were supporting their parents wouldn't eat. So there's this pressure that I think lends to taking a little bit more risk at a subconscious level, whereas women had this role of, well, I need to have a husband love me to stay safe. And in order to do that, so he doesn't throw me out, I have to be perfect. And if I don't fit all of these boxes, if I don't check all of these boxes, then that means I'm not perfect and therefore, I can't have this thing that will provide me the security. So we sort of change the husband for the job subconsciously.
0: Yeah, and, it's, and it' and it's it's hard because now I know, you know, I've had a, a career in human resources working for companies that I will, I will be the first one to tell you those job descriptions are just, probably the worst written, most poorly written thing, and description and and depiction of what a job and a company actually is. But um, back to your point on perfectionism, we want to do a good job, we want to, you know, we want to put our best foot forward. But if we don't, we're looking for a criteria to which to measure ourselves. Always, I think we're always looking for that. Okay, well, where am I in this? How do I? How do I fit in here? How do I fit in there? and those are the things that are out there that it's a form of communication right and so not often is there a very clear checklist of things that is perfect and so often we ground ourselves and we anchor ourselves to these like job descriptions or other things like that or expectations of other people that that because it's an easy way to measure i am meeting it or i am not it's objective right and i would and i would mm. say we need to Pushback back on some of these systems and really just these, the beliefs that we have and how can you ground yourself in these moments? The other thing I would say, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another story. I think often too, even, you know, years of doing this and understanding and having the self-awareness, I think I still, I mean, in my mid-career, I was at a company, I was at a fortune 50 company, I was doing really well. I, ha- I was an executive, had a big team. And on paper, I will tell you, it looked like I had a really amazing job, but my, I, it didn't match how I was feeling. And I thought it was my fault. Like uh, People said, oh, you have such a so cool common. job. You work for this really great company. You're making a ton of money. You have all this influence. You've you know, you have this, you have that. And, but why am I unhappy? And so I thought, well, what's wrong with me? Why am I not good enough to be happy here? Like what's, what's, what's happening? And so I put that again, back on myself. Right. And so I was in this place where I just kind of felt stuck. Like I would, I will tell you, I had a, a long commute to the office. And sometimes I would be listening to like, uh, Uh, audible or a podcast or something. And I would sit in my car and I would listen to it a little longer because I didn't want to walk into the office. Yeah. I know a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. And so I was like, what is going on with me that like, I, that I'm not happy here at this amazing place. And again, I had to see clarity. I still knew at that point, I still knew the things that were my values, but what I will tell you is that my Um, achievement had taken such a hold of on me, that I wasn't seeing past that. So I had conflict within my own values. So achievement was like, get the next job, get the next thing, do the next, you know, promotion and whatever. But after I did that work, and I remember having this um, breakfast with my my friend Mark, And he was like, what is going on? There is some stuff happening. Like you were like, let's figure this out. And he helped me really figure that out. And it was that I I really wasn't growing and learning anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I had done all this cool stuff and worked in this really great place and did all these things. But, but I personally wasn't growing. I, I was building my team. I was building the capability of a ton of other leaders in the organization, but personally, was not being challenged. At the time my leader had just left, so I didn't have the the leadership to help me grow and change right. either. And so it was all everything happened at once and it felt very big, but I was I felt stuck and I the first thing I did I questioned my own competence. I questioned, I, I questioned myself, right? Instead of looking at, okay, how do I get the back to, like you said, your own needs? How do I get those needs met? Because it was going to be hard. Those are big decisions. So what ended up, what I ended up needing to do was leave that organization. And it goes back to that risk and like, What will that mean? What will other people think of me? What will, how will I do that? What does that even look like? I had been there for so long, you know, and would I be good enough at the next place? That Uh, was the next thing that happened. And then it's just, it's like this cyclical pattern. Right. And I, I got the courage to start thinking about what, what does next look like and next will meant leaving the organization and that same thing that happened early in my career, it happened again. I looked at job descriptions and here I am again, after, you know, this big career at these, these big companies and doing all this stuff, I still felt like that I don't have this or I don't have that. Am I, am I really this at this new company? And I, this job description thing came back again. That's so crazy
1: how you think you conquer it. And I can't tell you how many people like, well, I don't understand why boundaries are coming up again. I've done so much work around them, or I don't understand why I still don't feel like I'm good enough. I've done so much work around this. And, you know, one thing that I think is really important for people to understand is that you have done a lot of work. And that's mm-hmm. why you have risen to this more expansive place than you are now. But there's always a threshold. Like, yes. if we were if we had all the resources and the capabilities and the self-belief and all of the things to get, you know, as high as the moon, so to speak, we would we would be there. But we're always butting up against these boundaries that we have to break through. and, and so that one particularly am I good enough to do this if we're stretching and growing we're going to hit that. And so in the container of an organization if you have good leadership that's allowing you to do that you sort of have this safe container to stretch and grow in this in this like nice easy you know, just slightly uncomfortable pace, like where right. it, you're pushing yourself, but you're not like, ah! and then, uh, but going out and trying to get a whole nother job is just another thing because you don't understand what the container is going to be like. And, yeah. you know, again, also if people are starting a business. Oh, you're going to face those, pla- those levels. Yeah time and time again, you're going to have to just keep breaking through them. But each time it opens up to something more expansive. So tell me what happened as you were facing that all over again.
0: It's really interesting because I was having lunch with one of my, one of my friends, I consider her on my board of directors, like my go to people. She was like, well, would you ever go out on your own? And I actually said these words, I am not an entrepreneur. I'm not going to do that. She's like, well, just write it down as an idea. What would you do? And so I started playing with the idea of like, well, and it was very easy. I was like, oh, I would easily, I would coach individuals and leaders to do X, Y, Z. She was like, okay, well, let's think about that. And so I put it as a thing that I might do. And then I put all these other quote unquote regular jobs that I should have. Right. And so... I, I ended up applying to lots of different places. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do my own thing one day. That's what I said. I allowed myself to think I'll do it one day. So I was applying to a couple of places and I had seen this one role for a, a chief learning officer and it was a global company and working with folks in the C-suite around the world. And while I had some of the experience again, here, here, here it comes. I disqualified myself and I didn't apply. And then I had lunch with another another friend. I like to network and so to build relationships. And she actually told me about this job. She's like, oh, hey, I'm working with this organization. You need to apply to this one job. And it happened to be that same job. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm not qualified for that one. And she was like, what are you talking about? Of course you are. You need to submit your resume. You need to put your resume in the box, Laura. And I was like, okay, fine. And so I did it um, and because... very interestingly, when I was in my job search for that one, two different job descriptions had come up. One that I was like, Oh, yeah, I can do that. And then another one for the same job that had more qualifications that I did not meet. So I Mm. had done so much research that I had found two job descriptions posted for the same job and decided to not apply to it because one had longer qualifications that I didn't meet. I wasn't like a global citizen. I had, you know, worked mostly in the United States. I haven't, li- I hadn't lived abroad, that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I literally have not done that. I've worked in global companies and I've managed, you know, global teams and all that kind of thing. But um, I had never, I was not a global, quote unquote, global citizen. So I was like, well, I can't do that. But again, that wasn't on the other job description. So it's just really interesting that like even the same, job posting had two different sets of qualifications and I didn't think I was good enough for it. But after I talked to my friend, she was like, no, Laura, you can do that job. So I I submitted it. And again, that's the job I got. The
1: thing <laughs> so-, that is so It's so interesting in your story and a lot of other people's story is that the right thing will present itself more than once. Hello, are yeah. you looking like for those of you that are like woo or believe in destiny or whatever it might be? It's like, here, here's the thing. I'm over here. <laughs> no, no, I can't do that. No, really. It's like no, more of really. hero's journey, right? You get that yeah. opportunity and you shut it down, but then- you 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 do it. You throw the resume in the box and run yeah. over the bridge. And then the bridge disintegrates. It's like the
0: point of no return. <laughs> yeah. And I got to do this really cool job for several years that I almost, again, didn't, you know, I didn't think I was good enough. And then I was in that job and I was doing that job. And I brought something different to that job than other people had in the past. And I got to build a team, a global team. And I got to travel the world, I got to go to South Africa and Singapore and Panama and Australia, like all these amazing places that I just never would have been in my life. And so um, I did that for several years. And then the pandemic happened, like, you know, everybody else, I kind of questioned, okay, what, what's happening? What am I doing? What's what really matters to me? Um, and I came to this realization that like, I could totally do this job. For a while, but I wanted that kind of one-on-one. Like when I was, when is when was I at my best? I'm coaching individuals. I'm um, impacting teams in my C-suite jobs. It was almost too downstream of impact for me. Mm-hmm. Like um, we would help leaders who would then help their teams, and I wasn't seeing that like tangible behavior change in front of me. And so it wasn't as fulfilling. And so I made the decision. I, I dug up that initial like um, notebook from when my friend and I talked a long time ago. And she was like, remember when we talked about that company, you should do that. And I was like, Oh, well, maybe. And so that's what I decided to do about two and a half years ago, I left corporate. And now that's what I do. I teach other people how to find their values and build the culture that aligns with that so that other people can find their purpose um, within the teams that they work in. And so I, I help leaders find career clarity. And then I also help organizations build co- values-based cultures that people want to stay and, and thrive in. And so that's where I find my values being fulfilled. So the most it has ever been is now right. in the work that I'm doing.
1: What I love too is the pandemic really switched a lot of people's thinking about what do I want to do with my career with my life and you know we had the great resignation and of course then there's the great regret because oh, people didn't do the work the internal work that was needed to actually get a different job they were just trading one shit for another shit yeah. <laughs> and one shit show for another shit show but You know, what has opened up in the last few years more than ever is this place, this concept of really making the culture of these companies better. It's part of why I love working with people who are still doing most of the work themselves in their company, because when you get really foundational and are set in what your values of your company are, what the culture you want your company to be is. When you do that at the beginning, when you're either by yourself or with a very small team, then you can grow it from that place and create something that's really powerfully good versus a lot of these companies need like your help because they're having to backtrack And do the work that wasn't done in the beginning, because maybe they didn't even know that it needed to be done.
0: You're absolutely right. And so if you are a solopreneur or work for a small business, if you are a leader in a big company, I think that the culture begins with you. It absolutely does. And that can be an extension of your values. Often, it's, a, it's an alignment of um, your values and the organization's values. There's a reason you, you built the company that you built or that you work for the company that you work for. And it's not a coincidence. There's probably some kind of values alignment or there should be. And what we want to search for is higher values alignment. And so yeah. when we think about, a lot of people talk about culture fit. I think that's kind of a throwaway. It shouldn't be you fitting into a culture. You, you should be aligned with the culture like you as an individual need to have similar values to the culture that you're entering in so that you can bring yourself to that to that role to that job to that team as opposed to am I good enough to work here what do I need to switch and change and compromise on myself to fit in we don't want you to do that I want you to come in as you and bring your strengths and all those things with you.
1: I think I, ju- I recently watched a Brene Brown clip and she was talking about the idea of fitting in. If you have to fit in right? This is the antithesis of being the wolf. Yes. If you have to fit in, then you are not being your authentic self. You're, it means you have to mold yourself. Maybe you smoosh this little part over here. Maybe you cut off this little part over here to fit your square peg into the brown hole. And that is never going to serve your greater happiness, but going back to that thing, that safety, that stability, those, those you know survival values that often will trump our true alignment and our true self, that um, we'll just throw monkey wrenches in that. but you know, you, as you are, is perfect. You as you are do not have to fit in. You as you are, and Brene Brown said this: "She's like, you always belong if you belong to yourself."
0: Yes, yeah, and I love that research that she did because it, the I think she said like one of the most surprising things: the opposite of belonging is fitting in. To your point, mm-hmm. it, it and it's so interesting to think of it that way because you are absolutely sacrificing yourself to the greater system, whatever that system is, we're talking about at work, but you're, you're compromising your own needs being met. Mm -hmm. And that absolutely is not going to lead to any kind of fulfillment. It, it, (laughs) It will not. And that's what we're all searching for fulfillment and belonging. And so as we think about the, the companies that we build, the teams that we lead to for it to be centered in values, um, and not the leader's values, each individual's values, really, yeah. and and modeling that and and sh- and showcasing that in leadership, I think, is how we build these really great cultures.
1: I agree. I agree. So I'm curious. The uh, what 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 would you say to that mid level career where you were? I'm dealing with this thing again. I'm I'm discounting these job descriptions, these things, because I don't know how to do, I, I don't have all these qualifications. And if you own a business, you've maybe, or thinking about owning a business, you may do this thing. Well, I don't know how to do sales. I don't know how to do marketing. How am I ever good? I don't know how to do all. I don't check all of the boxes. I'm not outgoing. I'm an introvert, okay. uh, whatever it might be. So that where you were hitting that same wall, again what would you what's the advice what what did that woman need to know in order to apply for the job without
0: hesitation yeah i if i could talk to that laura (laughs) i would tell her there's nothing wrong with you i need you to know what you want and are you getting i would ask her are you getting what you want in this in this role And I think the answer would be a resounding no. And so, and it's okay. And I would tell her it's okay to not be getting your needs met here because there's lots of ways that you can get those needs met, but you have to put yours first. You can't put your teams first. You can't put the organization first. You can't put what would the perfect executive do in this situation. Right. And I don't think that I would have believed if I, that, that introverted, you know, still high achieving did really well in that organization. Like she wouldn't believe that I would now have a book and a podcast and all the, and impacting the world in just a different way. I don't, I would not have believed me. I would not have, but, but I, if I would have asked myself that question, like, are you getting your needs met? And if I would have let my, let the answer be no, I probably would have gotten out of there Potentially faster in a different way, I don't think the journey was any different than it should have been because it's a part of my story, and I think people find themselves stuck and they stay at these organizations that are safe, right yeah. They stay, and I think there's a reason for that. It could be financial it could be it could be lots of different things, right. but there's lots of ways for you to get your needs met. It doesn't have to just be here. That would have been a really important thing for me to hear then, yeah. And I think that's that's one of the
1: thing we have that scarcity mindset Mm -hmm. of like oh my god this is the only place what if there's no other place out there but there is and sometimes it's messy getting through the steps to get there and it's important to uh, let everybody know it's okay to be a little messy as well yeah well
0: absolutely
1: thank you I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom your gifts with us and your story. I so much appreciate it. And I know the people listening do too. And I want to remind everybody, when you operate from who you truly are, you evolve humanity. So thank you again, Laura. And we will see you all next time on Be the Wolf. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.